All right, the Jack Carr Dynamis collaboration, Combat Flathead Gen 2 is available now. All right, if you've read the novels, you might know what the Combat Flathead is. And, ooh, oh, look at that. Comes with a sticker. And here it is, made in the USA, 100%. Look at that sheath right there. Every American needs one of these. And it has the cross tomahawks right there. Check this out, officialjackcar.com. Click on shop, and it is available right now. Thank you to Dom, Dynamis Alliance. Dom, of course, my buddy and teammate, SEAL teammate from SEAL Team 2, out there always crushing everything. Thanks so much. This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guests today are Dean and Alana Stott. Dean is a former SBS operator who is on the ground in Israel, assisting with evacuation efforts as Alana handles the logistics side of things from California. You can help them out by going to their spot fund, and you can link to that from their Instagram at A-L-A-N-A-S-T-O-T-T or Dean, D-E-A-N-S-T-O-T-T, link in bio to assist with those efforts. And now, without further ado, Dean and Alana Stott. We got it. We got it hooked up. So good to see. I feel like you guys were just here in this very room not long ago. And, I think it was uh, no, actually two weeks. Exactly two weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it seems like six days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we, we left you, went home, and we were in Disneyland on Saturday. And then on Sunday, booking flights. It's like you know, it's a whirlwind. <laughs> So crazy, so crazy how things can change. That's how life is. Things change yeah. very quickly. Yeah, um, and now you're on the ground in Israel. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm in, in Jerusalem tonight. Yeah, but I've been bouncing around between Tel Aviv, Haifa, uh, Ashkelon, uh, and here. But Jerusalem seems to be the safest option. But as you know, Israel is actually quite a small country, so you can actually get around and back and Tel Aviv in 45 minutes, um, north of Gaza in an hour. So Seems to be a nice little safe haven to come back to in the evenings. Gotcha. Had you, had you been to Israel before? No, but I'd not been to Israel before. And that was the reason for getting in quite early. So as you know, we've done, Alana, I've run evacuations in Libya, Afghanistan, and Sudan. And those three places I'd been to before. And we had infrastructure in place. So we had safe houses. We had drivers, fixers, local security providers. And we knew we knew the country uh, pretty well. Because I've never been to Israel, we didn't have any of that infrastructure in place. We had a couple of friendly contacts on the ground. And so normally when we go in, we have a client already uh, and we have a job to do to get them out. We sort of went in blind um, going in, not real any sort of plan in place. But because of the experience we've had before, we knew the sort of nuances of evacuation plans and what, what needed to be put in place. So we sort of did it the reverse. And when I took off, Alana started messaging friends and family and, you know, letting them know where I was here. And by the time I landed, uh, we had 60 potential clients. Jeez. And Alana, so what are you, so Dean's in the air and what are you doing while he's 
in the air and you know that he's about to to land and you have uh, probably the news going and you're staying up to date with what's going on what are you doing while he's in the air yeah we, we initially heard about it and then we booked him on the first flight out we had the, the quick discussion and it was like yeah you need to go now it's not a waiting thing um so the first flight that we booked was was a was Turkish Airlines and he he got turned away he wasn't allowed to 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 board so he came straight back home and it was like right let's obviously find out the reasons why and then get him onto the next one so El Al the Israel airline was the best option at that point but that was still a bit of an interrogation when we got to the airport as to why he was going because of you know the amount of stamps Dean's got on his passport it was a lot of questions asked so um as soon as I knew that he was through security and he was going on, it was just straight back into the, the car and home. Uh, got home, the people that had already requested so we already had two families had sent in requests. So I contacted them to let them know that he was on his way and, you know, just wait out a little bit. But I'd also mentioned to the people that had asked me that he's on his way, he's going. So then that was when the phone just started going. So this is a Sunday now, uh, sorry, Monday. Um, and... The, obviously the kids and everything are still around all that still is going on but I thought right we need to just get the option so we almost just pulled out everything that we had from the the Afghan stuff and just set it up really quickly in the garage um so we had the the families the the information everything we needed and then I just was just went through exactly what we'd done you know airport it's, it's, it was slightly different and and it's slightly easier because the airlines were still open it was just certain ones that weren't flying the the, the roads and the uh, borders were all still open everything was still there it was just there was a, a bit of panic amongst people and especially people back home I think they were panicking more because you know media media does it for people so um they wanted their family and friends out safe but we we're saying well they are they are okay we don't need to panic and, and let's not the problem as well is is that as soon as that happened the, the flight prices start going through the roof which was which is irritating in these circumstances so you're trying to get just normal people onto a flight and it's now four or five grand for a flight that should be 800 bucks you know so I'm trying to work out um how to get them into the you know and you want to get them to a safe place so that's Cyprus Athens Rome Spain all these places but they obviously want to get home so you've got to help them with that stage as well because you don't just want to dump them somewhere and leave them but then you don't want to become a travel agent either and be, be constantly doing all that stuff so it's just managing all that bits but a lot of them wanted to do road moves they absolutely didn't want to wait because the flights were were booked up and so many cancellations uh so dean looked at the, the jordan options and one of the families wanted to take that which was which was fine so we got them through across to jordan and uh, so we had our fixers in israel and jordan so it was just to coordinate them to make sure that they worked well together so and then as soon as dean landed we had all those plans ready so he was he was literally off the plane to the first family moving them to the first place like before we could do anything and this is obviously a little different than Libya, than Afghanistan. Yeah. You're not crossing any borders. It's uh, it's more familiar to people. The planes are still are still working. Um, so there's so it seems a little a little different than uh, than those than those places. And you've reversed it, like you said, you went in without a client. In these other places, you have people that that need you to come yeah. in. And here you're essentially in case you're needed, anticipating that need. Um, and you're also going public ahead of time on social channels, uh, which you haven't done in the past. Typically, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, you're going in and you're in Libya and you're in Afghanistan and you're doing this. And then later, 
talking about it. Um, but now it's, hey, I'm here. Who needs help? Uh, essentially, is kind of the 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 model that you use for this one. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, like I said before, we'd have a client and we know exactly where they were within country. As Alana is getting requests, they're coming in from kibbutz all the way down in the south to Haifa, all over the country. So I knew from the ground assessment that um, central Israel, so from Tel Aviv through to Jerusalem, was was pretty safe. And then the and the border crossing, as Alana said, we had fixes and, and teams in Jordan ready to, to move them across. So my pri our primary aim was to get those that were in the north and south as central as possible. You know, the luxury of the airspace being open was was good, um, but that was an option purely for the, 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 the Jewish. The non-Jewish community were happy to go to Jordan. The Jewish community, for obvious reasons, weren't happy. So we had a, you know, a tourist group from Sri Lanka, American tourists. They're very happy to take that route, whereas the Jewish community like, no, we will, we need to take a flight. And it was a bit of hysteria as well, because because of the unknowns and flights were getting cancelled, there was a lot of panic. And Alana was sort of managing, managing all, all that as well. And we were working with getting chartered flights as well. But as you touched on at the beginning, yes, um, you know, social media and I, we, we start, we're start slowly starting to warm, warm, warm up together. It's a sort of slow burner for me and, and very much against protocol. I would never announced that I was in the country or doing operations until I was actually back and everyone was safe but we didn't have we didn't have much time and obviously people were trying to get a hold of us and we we're hearing secondhand about other people how did they get in touch with you so we decided right let's let's do a post let's use our influences people like yourself Jack to share and then from that yeah you know we'll just end inundated um, with requests uh, a perfect example was a bible college here in Jerusalem had 15 students, 14 Americans and one one Indian. Um, Elizabeth and Pastor Matthew were the who run that college and they their options had sort of depleted. They had no options available. And they said, well, let's take a chance. I've just seen this on on social media and they reached out and then we were there help to help them get out. So I've seen I've seen the good and the bad in social media during this this last uh, last 10 days, uh, you know, the psyops that's going on as well on social media, but also spreading that message and for people to to get in touch. So yeah, very much not the way we would normally operate, but this isn't a normal situation. Right. And what are some of those psyops that you notice uh, when you're looking at a, a news feed, let's say from the United States or Europe uh, or, or Middle East, uh, yeah. and then you're on the ground there looking at the scene or talking to someone who was just there? What are some of those things that you're noticing? Well, I think mean, the biggest one in the last 24 hours was probably the, the, the hospital. You know, that, that's been the, the, the biggest one so far. But yes, you know, people like Jerusalem, I, I was in the old city and I've never known a place like, I, strange enough, I did a post. I did a post when I, 36 hours after arriving and, and I don't have a faith, you know, I, I think between Libya, Afghanistan, Sudan, and, and now here we've evacuated people from all religions. You know, what we do see, is the difference between good and bad, you know, evil and good. And 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 so that's why we're here. But the irony that where I did that post was within the old city walls. Um, <laughs> but what I'm seeing there day to day is the overlap of Judaism, uh, Muslims, Armenians, Christians, all working together. And, and so, yeah, you have this social media sort of division. But actually here on the ground, you know, you've got 9 million people in Israel, 2 million are Muslims. They do live together. Um, it just seems to be that outside influence, which isn't helping matters. 
yeah, that portrays it as uh, as as much more uh, one against the other and not necessarily focusing on anything of the any of the living together parts. Uh, it, it seems like I think yeah. it. Um, I think that yeah, social media. As we spoke about before, Jack, that social media love that divide. Divide media loves the divide. Politicians love the divide, and I um I think this week has taken like a toll on me massively just because of. See, like I've seen the good and the bad in people, but some of it's just like the downright ugly. I'm like being, I, I, I've, I've been asked people that want to make donations to the page is asking me that if they donate, will I, will I ensure that I don't help any Muslims or I don't help any? And I, and you know, my response is, is that I don't ask what your belief and faith is when I'm helping you. All, all I say is that I hope that the help that I give will affect that belief and faith for a positive because. Um, if somebody's in danger, you know, especially children, especially vulnerable people, I mean, I'm not stopping around asking them what they believe in or what they do. Like, it's it's a bit, and I do understand there's there's historic issues and there's things that have gone on that I may never understand, but I don't think it changes if we don't start helping each other and, and being kinder to each other. Yeah, that's very well put. And I noticed the same thing. I was, I knew there would be, there's always a negative comment. You can't put anything up there. I, I post a picture of my truck and the lights and someone's like, oh, Baja Designs is way better than KC. And you got it. Oh, okay. Like to that level. And then you yeah. post something about Israel and I knew there's going to be some crazy posts or comments or whatever. I didn't anticipate how many there were going to be in uh, in the comments, the sheer number and also the sheer number of fake accounts really stood out to me because I look at them because I'm just a student of of everything really that I'm interested in. And so I click on them and see the zero posts, zero follower, like that sort of a thing. But yet there's that comment that is uh, divisive and mean and nasty and vile. Um, and so you're just seeing how all of this works. But then there were some actual accounts that posted those same type of things real people that don't mind saying uh or they look like real people anyway when i looked at their at their feed uh that for some reason think it's okay to spout whatever hatred and vile nastiness that they're putting in the comment section um but that's how they choose to spend their life and they're spending time they're never going to get back on this earth doing that rather than doing something positive so yeah. it's it was really interesting to see so i knew it would be there I didn't anticipate how much of it would end up in those comments. So that's that's been really interesting to see that. And I've looked at other people's uh, feeds and posts and comments in there too, and you and you really see it. Uh, and people are talking about it. People are talking about how it has exposed uh, true colors in in yeah. many cases. Have you guys noticed that too in those in the comments? Yeah, I've, I've not. I've, to be honest, I think we've because well, I haven't seen that many, nothing that really jumps out. You know, the only ones I'm sort of seeing is, unless Alana's been deleting them, though I don't see them, um, is it's the, um, are you, are you going to be just be helping Israelis? Can you help the Palestinians? Um, and, and, I, and I always say, if someone needs help and, and we're in a position that we can help, then I will do so. You know, it's very difficult at the moment, as you can imagine, in Gaza, that they can't even open the Rafa gate. So I don't think I'm going to be able to go in. But I won't lie, we are communicating with people in there and just giving them updates because they're blind to the outside world. They don't know what's going on. So, you know, when earlier in the week, we were telling them, look, the advice is to push south. You know, just keep pushing south, get near to, near to the gate. So, so no, although we haven't physically gone in and helped anyone out there, we are relaying that information. And and we are, you know, these are through reliable sources. These aren't just people we, we don't know. These are sort of friends of friends, you know, American and British passport holders uh, as well. Um, so, 
That's all I've seen, really, is, is it just the Israelis or you can also help the Palestinians? I haven't seen anything negative uh, as such. Alana? Yeah, no, I I do delete the odd one. If it's completely nasty and it's, you know, you know the, and, and then there's the typical ones that you lock, the baby killers and all these kind of ones that you get just as like, you know, I think they've got it on like auto send those types of posts. But, um, you know, discussion ones, I don't mind. But then uh, when you see it does get started to get nasty, I think I deleted a whole post the other day because I was like, this is just, this isn't what I'm about. It's not what Dean's about. We don't bicker on social media. We don't do these things. And I remember my... um. A coach once said to me, you know, everything you do, especially in like the speaking world or the public facing world, you've got to do it like you're talking to an eight year old, you know, you maybe have to tell them once, tell them twice, tell them three times and, you know, really simplify it like that. And I thought, how are you meant to get that across on an Instagram post? You can't. This is like this is hundreds of years of history you're trying to dis discuss here. But all we're trying to say is that, you know, when we've got people inside Gaza literally on the phone, crying their kids are you know I've got a, a, a lady with her two sons and she was a doctor in Aberdeen where I'm from and that's how she was given my details and she happened to just be home visiting her parents she's actually still doing her PhD at the University of Aberdeen and you know she's telling me her boys have got fever the houses around her are getting blown up they've got no food they've got no water uh, she's just managed to get her phone recharged because the electricity was off and she's just begging for help and you can see how easily influenced especially those two boys could be you know if he's sitting there saying why are people doing this to us they don't know that you know about stray rockets or anything like this they're just seeing what they're being told yeah you know these bad people are doing this to you so you now need to grow up to attack them what we're trying to do is say well you know I want to help you I want to get you back to Aberdeen where you're safe and where you're good and then hopefully one day when they grow up they're like yeah that person helped let's let's do the same thing and um I feel like there's so much hatred and nastiness and you know I don't know what you're like this week but the amount of unfollows and things that that I've done because I just can't look at that kind of vitriol towards especially kids these are kids that that you know we could change them and we could change that perspective and yeah there's nasty people in the world that would do horrendous things like what they've done on um on the 7th that was you know violent you can't explain why a person would ever do that type of things to people but you, what you can do is show people that humanity can be good and work on that aspect and, and keep that up. That's that's all we're, and you know, we've gone out there and, and a million people have said, why would you do it? It was just that morning we felt the need and we've felt that need before. And that's why, and we you know, because we know what we're doing in these situations, we thought, well, let's make sure we're there. And if anybody needs us, however it might work out, let's just see how it goes. And then it was apparent that we were needed. So yeah, we, we're, we're going to stay there for, for a bit longer. Um, but yeah, the one thing we did see is, is is a lot of people wanting to help as well. There's huge amounts of people wanting to help. And I found that really quite interesting as well, because you don't sometimes see everything that's going on. And I would probably give an example of a lot of people were chartering flights to try and get people out. And that's amazing. And it's, it's, it's awesome that people are doing that. But what was also happening was the, the airlines were chartering these flights to, you know, somebody in america who's able to pay for a full flight so then i was getting flights cancelled from people who were already booked on those flights because they were commercial airlines who were who were charting these flights to other people getting it paid so these flights are then getting cancelled um so then i'm having to try and get these people rebooked onto other flights and then when i would speak to the people who had charted the flights they're maybe charging double what their original flight was when it was booked so they were doing the right thing with the idea of let's get a plane so there's a plane that we can fill up 
but then it was cancelling other people's flights that already had those flights booked on those those commercials. So I think it's being careful about knowing what the difference between those, what good help is and what bad help is, I guess. Yeah, what else I love about you guys, I mean, diving in to help, it's absolutely incredible and inspiring. Um, what are the, some of the things that you've learned, not just here in Israel, but uh, in the other places that you've been, like Libya and Afghanistan? Um, mm -hmm. What are some things that a traveler should do that would help you out, Dean, at the tactical level, Alana, handling everything logistically? What are the things, if I'm traveling, let's say if I'm in Argentina or Brazil or Thailand or Morocco, uh, and I'm traveling abroad, what are the things that if things went south in those areas, I should have done ahead of time to help somebody like you who can assist me in getting out of an area if it if it uh, degenerates into chaos. Yeah, well, that's why we have a plan in place so people like yourselves and them don't need to worry about that. What I have been saying here, you know, one of the reasons for flying in early, I'll sort of go back slightly. The reason we flew in so quick is because um, where we've had a situation in Libya before, the reason we had to do the road move in Libya is because the airspace was shut down and that then caused chaos. And so we needed to get in early here because we didn't know what was going to happen. If the airspace had closed down, then it would have been a lot worse. And so that was our, our thought process of getting in um, quite early. And also to add as well, it was this uh, holiday. It was a huge holiday here in Israel. Just just alone in from New York and Boston, there was 10,000 families here. In, in Israel. So that sort of mass exodus you saw last week was a lot of the tourists, not the people from Israel. That's been the difference here compared to some of the other countries. It's not people that live here that want to get out. It's just the tourists want to get back. You know, the people of Israel are quite resilient. But going back to your question, I think, you know, I, and, and, you know, practice what you preach. I don't actually do it myself either. But I always say when you go to a country, let the embassy know that you're there. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because that's a, a key one, because at the moment, and I, I chatted to the Bible college here, they then made me aware of 10 other students in another Bible college up north. And then there's 10 other students in the um, Jerusalem University here. So there is still a large number of tourists here. And I actually spoke to the Bible college today. I said, have you registered with the embassy? And they said, oh, no, we haven't. We will do. So I think that's what I would say to anyone traveling is just let your local embassy know, because should things go south and quick, at least they know you're there and they could be looking for you rather than not knowing you're there and then reacting to, uh, later on, down the line. But I think when you're going on holiday to Argentina and that, you know, probably don't think that you're, you're going to get evacuated. But, it, you know, but I, I don't think do it myself. <laughs> if you are on, on a holiday, you know, if you're on spring break, like there's still provisions that you could take. I know, for example, Dean's had to uh, this week drive, you know, this family, um, Actually, an older couple. They their their house got rocketed. They've had they've drove north, uh, but they've drove north without any of their stuff. We managed to get them on a flight, but their passports are still down south. So Dean's had to drive down south to the house to get the passports, drive back up, pick them up back to the airport. So I think that we were chatting about it, and we we don't expect everybody to have a grab bag. Like you know, it's it's for us, it's it's simple to know that we need it, but um. I, I do think there's an element that people can have. It doesn't have to be like, you know, our 511 grab bags or whatever, Jack, but it could be just a little, when you when you come off on holiday, you've got your passports, um, you've got your bit of cash, you've got your medication, keep it somewhere that you can easily grab that all at once. Ideally have a grab bag, but having it somewhere that if you're running out that door, that's the thing you're grabbing. If nothing else, that's what you're, you're grabbing hold of that you're going to need. So um, I think maybe we might put, 
like a list together once once this one's over just so people can easily access it because we actually did manage to set up a website evacuationsupport.org and that was uh, just so people could give me the information a lot quicker that that I need and they can just fill the form in um so I think maybe once Dean's home and things have settled down a bit we might just get like you know a quick grab bag list that people can have together for for these things yeah, I do a lot of travel security awareness and just, you know, just simple things like we talk about having the passport, um, you know, but what I do is I, I actually photocopy my passport as well. So, you know, should something happen or should you be a part? But normally when you go to countries, people ask you, especially the hotels, oh, can we take your passport for a photocopy? You never want to lose sight of your passport. And so what you do have is you have you know, a number of photocopies. So you're still giving them what they need. You still ask, you know, but actually you're not losing sight of that. And, you know, just simple things as well. We, um, a little doorstop, you know, get from Home Depot, $1. You know, you don't know who has access, you know, um, these um, electronic fob keys to get into the room. You don't know who else has access to that. So you just stick a little door wedge in there. So yeah, we'll, we'll explain more. We'll probably do a little video uh, on what we've, we've uh, learned over the um, past few years and, and what can help you. So um yeah, no, keep an eye out for that one. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, and I'm guilty of that too about the embassy. I saw that right away where on the news yeah. they were talking about how the US didn't know how many people we had in Israel. And that's yeah, because, yeah. you know, people are so busy and they just zip off on vacation. And yeah. uh, even if you know that that's helpful to do, uh, we still don't do it. So that's something I'm going to be better that's at what, as well. Going that's what you forward. guys don't want them to know that you're there. That's why. <laughs> I know. Exactly. That's the other part too. I'm not telling anybody when I'm here. I'm not giving that to the USG. Uh, yeah. So there is that. <laughs> Especially the way we look, actually going back, one of the, the hardest, one of the hardest things about this trip, as Alana touched on, when I got to LAX, we had the uh, intelligent or the, the security guy from LL. And of course, I turn up looking like I do. Alana's on my shoulder and he's like, um, do you have a letter? I said, oh, no, I don't have a letter. And he's like, so who are you going to see? I said, I don't know yet. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, so who do you work for? And I said, well, we work, we have our own security company. And he's like, oh, good. Do you have a website? I said, no, we don't have a website. So this guy's like, hang on. But we were actually being very honest and transparent. And uh, in the end, you know, he, he Googled, he had a look and he said, okay. And he, he did actually pull me aside just before I went on the plane and, said, and wished me uh, all the best. Um, but Alana now setting up um, evacuationsupport.org, you know, that helps us in the future that we, we have a letter, we will have a website and, and things that because, you know, we're very lucky to get in at this stage. I think because we did it within the first 36 hours, I know there's been other groups trying to get in past that window and haven't been successful. So, you know, that that Alana's foresight of getting us in early uh, paid off. Yeah, yeah that's, no, that's really important what Dean's saying is obviously like it's a difficult thing, but telling the truth to these people is really important, especially in such I've heard of people trying to get in and telling them all sorts of fabrications and they're not they're not stupid. They're going to work out that you're you're lying and then they're going to wonder why you're lying. So you can get your stuff in a whole lot to tangle. I mean, you don't have to tell them everything. It's like, you know, when you're with the police, give them the question they're asking and nothing more like but it's it's better to be telling the truth. Dean got on because he told the truth. So that was that was important too. Yeah, no, I, I see it. Um, and there's some, all these videos, people can find them on YouTube, uh, hotel rooms about getting in and with that kind of door that's behind you right there, Dean, there's one yeah, out yeah. there that shows 
right? Defeat that, you know, those kind and and then how you can counter it. And so there's there's all sorts of information out there, but that doorstop is for sure a good one, obviously, as is the having your passport and having those copies and doing those yeah. sorts of things, leaving a copy at home with somebody and contact yeah. numbers, embassy, all those things that we know we should do. Um, what are uh if when you're on that plane, Dean, and you're flying over, what are you thinking in your head as far as contingencies? Um based on past experience, like, hey, if the airports go down, air traffic goes down here, and I have X number of people I need to get, are you working through those contingencies in your head? If it's like, hey, there's a max exodus, planes yeah. are booked, or it goes down, uh, how am I getting out of Israel with Jewish and non-Jewish people? Um, and then, uh, Alana, are you doing the same thing on your side as he's going in? Yeah, so for, for me, I, I sort of knew that it, it, there's, there's three options. There's the air, the land, and the sea. Um, and so, you know, Israel has a coast. I know Cyprus, because we've been there with you know, the British forces are there. It's just literally a stone's throw away. Um, I know Jordan is also very uh, pro-West as well. Um, and I and, and strange enough, I had just been finished film, finished filming in Jordan three months ago. And the, and the um, everything from, you know, we met King Abdullah, the special forces, and even the fixer. So they're the fixers are the guys that were working with us on the filming crew. So I knew there was a safe haven there and it was a safe haven in in Cyprus. And then we we had the air. Um, obviously, primarily is, is the air option. But I, we always look at contingency. So as the air, air option is still open and Alana was working with that, I was also thinking, right, how you know, what are the sea, uh, the sea and the land options? What are the border crossings? There's three border crossings to Jordan. But there's actually only one that we can, we can use. And I mean, that was changing as well daily. Normally it's 24 hours, you know, Sheikh Hussein bridge. Now it's, they'll release the date, uh, the times the, the night before, but then should, you know, should there be incidents where you just can't move? Then I started looking at safe houses, you know, as places that we can hold up for long periods of time or short periods of time. Um, so that's what I've been doing since I got on the ground. I sort of looked at what, worked for the previous uh evacuations um you know the land sea and the air and then why we needed safe houses where's the best position for safe houses the luxury i had here as well is i had some really good contacts on the ground good good fixers good drivers and security organizations well israeli security organizations ex-idf but they hadn't where they seen the our skill sets applied to them was more they're more dealing with executive protection, not really evacuation. So this is the first time they've ever had to do something like this. So Alana and I's experience has been able to sort of help them formulate a plan. You know, this is what we did in the past. This is what you need. Uh, ideally, you know, two or three safe houses in each city. And so should you be at any part of that city, should there be a rocket attack or should the road be closed? At least you have some safe haven close by to go to. So we've now really populated that map. And I wasn't aware how many airfields there were, helo assets. There's a lot, there's a lot here. Um, so that's that's been the, the difference between Israel and the lights of Sudan, Afghanistan and Libya. There has been very westernized infrastructure. There's a high-speed train from Jerusalem to get to the airport in 20 minutes. I'm not, I would normally not normally take the train as an option, but I've been on it a couple of times myself. I never had that as an option in some of the other countries. So it is is very different as well and, and, and unique in the fact that it is um, very well uh, advanced. Yeah, I yeah. think deep looking at the the on the ground stuff, if it does all go wrong and, he, and we need to move faster, but I think what we've learned from 
you know, Afghanistan, for example, there was so much movement so quickly that there was a lot of things that people maybe weren't necessarily thinking about, like the human trafficking element, the smuggling element, people not having the right paperwork, all these things, you know, even though it is a crisis time, they all still need to be thought about, you know, so when we're talking about the boat options to Cyprus, for example, they've had an, a lot of um, migrants and you know, illegal people crossing over over the years, and there's some really strict rules on on smuggling and human trafficking across across some of these islands. So we have to make sure that we've got the right people over there, the in the embassies, the fixers, everything that we've got in. So we've got Egypt, Cyprus, Jordan. We've got all these options that that are going to be looked at. So filling them out and making sure we've got them done right, knowing exactly what paperwork we're going to need. What are we going to need in Egypt if people start to cross the border, and um, they're going to be in you know, refugee camps, have we got the paperwork that we need to be able to get them moved from there to airports, all those types of things we need to make sure that we know that as soon as it happens, we've got that in place and the right people to talk to. Uh, luckily, we've got an amazing amount of people that that over the years have, have been built up that we can contact and we can do these things. But yeah, I think those things are, are really important because again, back to the the help not help thing. It's it's great to be able to if we look at a, you know a situation I'm dealing with right now, which is kind of separate, but it's that uh, we've got people in Pakistan that were moved out during Afghanistan, and as you know, the visas are now expiring, and people are now being there's arrangements for the Taliban to get these people back because the visas expired and legally they can do that now um, and nobody's sorted that out it was okay get them out of there but what do we do after so we don't want to be in that situation again where people are in any sort of danger once we've moved them right that's a lot to a lot to think about logistically uh not just tactically on the ground and how, how many more people are you uh, are on the kind of on on the docket on the list need help or more getting referred to you every day uh, uh what does that mean like dean how long are you staying there like that, that sort of a thing yeah so when when we when we first got here there was a huge mass exodus uh, i i lost count from from the ground movement uh, from the ground movements and the air Alana's probably more idea how many we moved by the by the air but it just seems that after that first wave there was then a there's then a lull i think obviously when the americans started chartering aircraft when the the vessel turned up in haifa and i think people then realized that actually nothing's really the ground troops aren't going to be going in yet um until you know in, um these people are, the tourists are gone so we've had the first wave i uh, see and we've now got the lull which is great because i've now been able to finish the evacuation plan and and, and put it all down and, and put and put everything into action and so we have everything in place what we have now is the uncertainty what's going to happen in the next 24 48 72 hours because the airspace is still open and that's because you know they're, they're only, at the moment only dealing with gaza so the flights are coming in across through and down from haifa if hezbollah started if it then comes from the northern front you then limit that flight path and then if as soon as the as soon as the airspace closes that's when I'm expecting the potential second wave of how do we get out? I and mean, then that is when the road and the boat options come in. So we've had this sort of slight lull. We are, there's small pockets still coming to us. Alana's dealing with a, a, medic, a medivac as well at the moment. Um, I think the only ones we've got left are the, the medivac. There's a few other people that initially requested and I decided to stay, which which is cool. Like So they're gonna stay on the list just in case um, and it happens, but the people that needed to get out, we pretty much got all of them out, apart from the medevac ones that we're still working on. And then the rest really are are the ones in Gaza that we 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 literally are not much we can do right now until the next, I guess, thirty six hours. We find out what's 
what's going to be happening. But we're, as I say, we've got the plans in place ready for when the gates are open or however it works, we, we can do that. But I think pretty much there's everyone's out that wanted to get out. There's, there's people that, again, have decided to stay people that just don't want there's there's there was groups of people that there's people in America want me to get them out but I think well they don't want to go so I can't do anything about it. I can't force them out like you you yeah. just got to let them do it so yeah that's kind of where we're at right now and I think for me knowing that the the other bible college the students and, and you know I've got their location so should we need to activate we know where they are so that's what we're doing now just seeing who's in country and they're, they're happy to stay they're very resilient but yeah a point Alana point on uh touched on there which is unique again about this one it wasn't so much the people here who wanted to get out it was the worried families outside of america outside in america and in europe which were putting the pressure on and it's like i mean you know that oh, my, my parents need to get out now and we're like we'll get in flights and you speak to the parents like, oh we're happy to wait till next week it's like well you need to speak to your family because your family want you out now and so the pressure hasn't been from the people here the pressure has been from uh outside the country <laughs> so uh so that's been another unique one about this as well and i think what was also unique about this one which i've never experienced when you're doing things like this is the interest in demands that you're getting like can we get vip service in the in the airport can, is there first class seats available is there this stuff like i've never experienced this this is this is something new but i think that there is as dean said there's not that awareness that there is a bit of a need to and and i get it because especially for people that, that live here they definitely don't want to be live there they don't want to be leaving but um you know there's certain people that are saying absolutely we want to we want to leave people that are like absolutely not family that are saying well you need to tell them they have to leave and i'm saying well i can't tell them that but we, we've got a plan in place that if they do decide they're leaving we're, we're we're ready for them and dean's there so it's as much as we can do right now service isn't just what navy federal credit union does it's who they are that's why navy federal created tools to help you earn and save more Make your financial goals a reality with great rates and low fees. Members enjoy earnings and savings of $473 per year by banking with Navy Federal, an average credit card APR that's 6% lower than the industry average, a market-leading regular savings rate nearly two times the industry average. Learn more at NavyFederal.org offers. I've been a member of Navy Federal since I enlisted in the Navy in 1996 and have had nothing but positive experiences with them for what is now closing in on 30 years. Wherever we were stationed, whether at home or abroad, Navy Federal was by our side. Navy Federal has made it their mission to help military members and their families tackle home ownership. With their new no-refi rate drop option, you can buy a home now. And if rates drop later, you can then lower your rate without refinancing. Plus, they also offer mortgage options with zero down payment. So you don't need to wait years to save at Navy Federal. Our members are the mission. Find out more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, membership required, equal housing lender, open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. NavyFederal.org. This week on Change Agents, an ironclad original from executive producer Jack Carr, Andy Stump talks with former CIA officer Mike Baker about the billions of dollars funding Taliban and Hamas. You know, the U.S. has spent about $8 billion in Afghanistan post 
withdrawal. How do we know that that money, I mean, if we're giving the money to the Taliban, which is, mm -hmm. that's an what incredible, that's an incredible sentence to say, oh, hey, we're just going to give $8 billion to the Taliban. How can we, with any level of certainty, know that that money is going where we would, I mean, hope or even intend for it to go? Yeah, the answer is we can't. You know, and, and it was the same answer that for this ridiculous, you know, unfreezing of assets and somehow that six billion dollars wasn't going to be used for whatever purposes the clerics in Iran wanted for. The answer is, yeah, it, it will. And, you know, OK, Anthony Blinken and, and, you know, Treasury and others are right. Right. OK, you can only you can only access that money. You can't access it directly, but it can only be spent on medicine and food or whatever. You know, but if I'm the Iranian clerics, if I'm the regime and you give me six billion dollars and say you can only use it on medicine. Well, OK, great. Now I got. Six billion sitting in a pot somewhere else that I can spend on purveyors of terrorism, which is what they do. To see the full interview and more, check out Change Agents wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube at This Is Ironclad. Do you think a lot of that uncertainty had to do with uh, not knowing if there were other cells around? other areas outside of the, the Gaza envelope and what was going to happen there with such a uh, well thought out attack down in the, the Southwest. Well, what's, what's in store for Tel Aviv? What's uh, so that sort of uncertainty. There was, there was uncertainty when I arrived, you know, on the, on the morning of the ninth, you know, it was still raw. Um, there was still an element of shock. Um, I have seen in the last few days, you know, um, more security, more police, uh, and they sort of re restructured, but I think yeah, there was a there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of anxiety because they never expected, they never had experienced anything like this on such a scale and and such atrocities, and so that really really shook them. And also the military and the intelligence service, as you know, Jack, you know, Israel are probably one of the best intelligence services in the world. You know that they got taken off their pedestal last week. They got caught with their pants down as well. And so I think that also then scared. The, the populace because they were reliant on that intelligence service in the military to protect them in the past and so yes i i i have seen a change in uh atmosphere from from last week because it was it was just pure panic you know and no one knowing if they could get on a flight or not and the majority of them like i said were tourists and weren't from the region the israelis you know i, I today i think i've spoken to a muslim a jew with a palestinian I, I i speak to them all and they're like oh yeah we used to we used to rocket attacks over Tel Aviv, you know, we, it's just like normal fireworks. But if you're from Boston or from New York and you're visiting, you're not used to rocket attacks. <laughs> and and so, you know, it's it's sort of managing uh, those different uh, people a bit more risk averse than those that are not, should I say. Right. Oh, yeah. Maybe some cities in America that are used to some levels <laughs> of, uh, of violence, but not quite the, not quite uh, what we've seen in, in the, from those rocket attacks coming in. That it seems like there was a tolerable level uh, of uh, of violence uh, containment a policy that uh, said, hey, we can live with this, and that got shattered um, a week and a half ago, yeah. as we we're recording this anyway. And both both uh, that level of of uh, acceptable levels as far as policy goes and then uh as well as that uh, uh confidence in an intelligence service and a military that had an aura about it and has for a long time uh so a couple paradigms have shifted and shattered over the last couple of weeks but uh dean from talking to all those people that you've been talking to and then talking to maybe other security professionals or uh, uh idf soldiers um police officers uh What's what are some of the things that that you've learned on the ground there about the the situation in uh, in general? What uh, what is what's surprised you? What what hasn't surprised you? What uh, what have you learned? 
Well, obviously the shock last week, I've seen the, you know, just the initial shock from there. I think they just, you know, it just really caught them by surprise. But what I have seen is a unity in, in a country. Like the, the flight that I got on was just full of middle-aged men, people wanting to come back. Um, you know, normally you, people trying to get out, but the LL are putting flights on because so many people wanting, wanting to come back and, and fight. And so obviously they are geographically placed in a, a volatile region and they have had... Um, uh, hostile uh, neighbors for a few years, so there was there was that initial bit. You know, chatting to them last week, we want to wipe Hamas, Hamas, and when I say Hamas, not the Palestinians, Hamas off the face of the earth, and and so even chatting to the Palestinians, they the same. They're like, please don't tarnish us with that brush. We do not believe in, in Hamas um, and, and what, what they're doing, and so yeah, there's raw. Um, emotion from from the Israelis and and the difference here as well, Jack. You know, I, I keep hearing this is our nine eleven. This is our nine eleven. Um, what's different about this is Israel is such a small place. Everyone in Israel will know someone who was impacted by last week. You know, you don't get that in any other countries, and so that's the difference here. Is everyone in the country has been impacted? Um, we have friends back in uh, Orange County and. Um, her, she lost seven family members and he lost five family members, husband and wife. So that's 12 people. So it's not just here, it's been impacted, it's, it's, it's around the world. And so that's what's that's what I sensed when I got here last, last week was just that raw emotion uh, and shock. I mean, obviously, you know, they didn't start bombarding Gaza and, and they had to, they had to react. They had to look like they were doing something. Um, but I think, you know, their tactics in the past, haven't defeated Hamas, uh, hasn't worked. But as we've seen with Iraq and Afghanistan, their approach needs to be more targeted, you know, more targeted, you know, take your time. I have heard through through Mossad that, you know, this Hamas is like no Hamas they've seen before as in train-wise, how well-trained these guys are. It's not something they've come across before. So there is the temptation to roll straight in, but I think they obviously need to be a pause. They need to regroup. But then also to add... So the issue is, is the hostages, the 199 hostages, as you know, doing hostage rescue. You know, when we do hostage rescues, we know, have an idea where the people are. We have an idea what building or aircraft or whatever we're going into. Um, and, and then there's training, there's rehearsals. They don't even know where they are. Um, I, I say that, they probably do, but they don't even know where they are. So you've got that. So there's a lot of pressure on on the IDF and what they do and the pressure from the outside world need to show some empathy let the people get out so but i don't think it's an if i think it's when they go in they will go in um but i am thinking hopefully the, the emotions um you know sort of simmered by then and, and then they, they think more strategic rather than you know emotionally and what are they saying about uh whether you're hearing it on local local news that we don't see here uh or talking to, to people over there about uh, the north and Lebanon and Hezbollah up there. What's the what's the sense about what's happened thus far and what what might happen from there and from and from Gaza over on the yeah the, uh, side as well. I, I think I think from here is is like you know I, I think with Joe Biden being there today was it was a massive message uh, as well uh, maybe deterrent to the Iranians, but I don't think Hezbollah are gonna they're they're still gonna want to do something with regards to assisting uh, uh, Hamas. Um, but is also, is this an opportunity for the Israelis to take kill two birds with one stone? You know, you know, if the Western world's almost giving them the backing, like, yeah, we're here to support you, to 
to get rid of the terrorists and why not to get rid of two groups uh, at once so um but the problem as you know then logistics and military wise you're fighting on two fronts <laughs> so um yeah but i i think chatting to the israelis that i i've met is yes we met let's go for hezbollah as, as well yeah and what did you think about um the just the security tactical wise not politically but uh biden flying over announcing it ahead of time before he even took off rather than landing and somewhere probably not at tel aviv but maybe and uh what 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 do you think the thought was behind that announcing it rather than waiting eight hours nine hours ten hours twelve hours uh, until you're already on the ground doing it yeah. uh, just from a security perspective what do you think uh, played in there and what do you what do you think Secret Service was was uh, was thinking about uh, about that Yeah I know it's like me going on social media telling people I'm here you know wait till I get home and and, and then do it then it's you know he's obviously he's broken protocol as well but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think that was wise. I even had, you know, I even got the flight number last night. I knew when he was landing uh, Zulu time and when he was taking off. Um, so, he, you know, he landed zero zero uh, nine fourteen local and took off at 1400. I knew that before he'd even come in. And so if I know it, who else knows that as well? So, um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a wise move. Obviously, he's out safely and, you know, he's had impact in, in being here um, uh, as well. So, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the best of moves. It seems like it limited options. Uh, if you're going to do it, like something happens, something changes on the ground and you can't land now. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you haven't announced it and it's not worldwide news and you can control it a little more. You have more options rather than announcing it. I just found that little surprise from a just tactical that's, perspective. That's maybe the hospital thing last night, you know, it was under a lot of pressure. What you're going to be doing is like, yeah, we're, we're coming. I was like, yeah, okay. But you don't need to give, tell him exactly when you're coming. <laughs> so Maybe, yeah, maybe shift things up a, yeah. a little bit. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was I thought that was interesting. Um, and what uh, for people that want to help? Um, what uh, what do you say to them? And then what do how, how do they they help? Is it going to evacuationsupport.org? Can they make a, a donation there to help get get people out? What does that look like for people that are back here and say, I'd like to help? And I've been on social media and I've seen all these different different organizations, but uh, maybe I follow Alana or I follow Dean or I read your books um, and he's actually there and he I saw he helped out this Bible college or whatever it might be and they like how do I how do I help just a little bit? Um, what's what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Yeah, so evacuationsupport.org is our page. And on it, as I say, there's there's a form. If you've got friends there, anybody that needs help, even if they're not sure if they want to leave, you can fill out the form. And, you know, there is a bit in there to say how imminent is any danger and like that. So we, we can put you into an order. Um, and yeah, there is a, a donation part to that too. Uh, now we are obviously there to help people get out and move people about and that and the funding is going towards fixers cars hotels flights anything that we need to be spending money on while we're doing it um and what i would say for anything else is do exactly what i would i would teach in you know in how to ask for money is about how to 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 fundraise and, do, and donate so um, if you're donating to a cause, check it out because there's so many fake causes have been set up, so, like so many, it's insane. Um, so just because it looks good, the, the page looks good, it's been set up well, just double check, really go into even like GoFundMe pages, you can check who set the page up, where the money is going to, if the cause is attached to it, check out the cause. Most causes should have um, 
annual statements, their financial plan, everything on there. It should be very transparent. So if, there, if there's any sort of concern about what the cause is, move on. Work with collaborative causes that, that are actually working in tandem with other organisations that are known, things like that. So I would say that, you know, in these instances, predators move in to try and get you to, you know, part with your cash. And it's it's dis disgusting, but it's it's just the fact of what happens. So just check out who who it is. But yeah, if you want to support us, it's evacuationsupport.org. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. to add to that as well is now there's a slight lull in the battle, as I as we know, we call it lull in the battle in the military um, is also even if you do wanted to do a welfare check on someone, you know, if we're in the area, we'll pop by and say hello. Even that sometimes is just enough rather than panicking, especially uh, outside. You know, if we're in the area and we have the bandwidth to do it, of course, we'll come in or even we'll message them and let them know that we're here to help uh, as well. So that's been that's that's been helpful as well for some people. They may not wanted to do the full full evacuation, but they just wanted to make sure that, you know, their family members are safe and that at least they have a point of contact on the ground here as well. Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, while you're doing this, are you still you're still dealing with people in Pakistan? You're still uh, out there coordinating other efforts? around the world that aren't getting as much media attention right yeah. now and all the focus is on uh israel um what do things look like uh around the world for you guys right now is it giving you an opportunity to 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 move about and get people in and out of other places or what's the what's that look for like for you holistically i do laugh at our day-to-day -day, really i think even today we've got literally a house full of sick people everybody's caught a bug so the baby's sick there's like everything just smells of vomit in the house right now but I think yesterday we um I started off with I can't even remember how the start the start was obviously Israel de dealing with the people that's coming overnight then we've got the situation still in Maui that we're dealing with so we're still working closely with the people on the ground there um helping them to get some funding towards the the housing situation and various other things so that was um quite a successful call as well and hopefully we've got some support for them and then yeah we're dealing with um some people who are in safe houses in in Pakistan that are in um as i say dire situations right now because the agreement between the the Taliban in Pakistan is that if the visas have expired they can send them home and these are people that you know had worked with the US and the UK government so it's a it's just it's a scary situation there at the minute so we've still got that um and then back to Dean waking up in Israel we were then working with that we've also got the people in Gaza that is 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 really pressing and really worrying for them and then yeah, then feed the kids or something. We'll do, we'll do the in between. We were, we were actually supposed to be in London to do our green card interview tomorrow, which has taken three years. Right, we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. So we've had to delay that as well now. So that's it's going to take longer than three years. So we've had to, we have up to six months to do it. So yeah, we uh, we pulled the pin on that one because uh, we knew I was going to be out here. So so it's yeah, it's affecting our personal lives. But um, but now I've been here for some time. You know, I've got the local security teams. We have a robust uh plans we know where people are um I'll, I'll probably monitor the next 24 48 72 and then there's nothing that we can't i can't do now back with alana in, in the us because we, we have that infrastructure in place and that's why i needed to come in to make sure it was in place and it was robust because uh, unlike afghanistan where a lot of it was done externally and you're, you're trying to coordinate it's very difficult when you haven't got uh, a ground truth or perception of where everything is i've been in afghanistan a few times before but um that was the purpose of coming in here is that you know should it turn into one of those where we're having to coordinate from another country we've got the infrastructure in place and so we've now achieved achieved that aim 
Got it. And so for somebody back in the States, let's say that has a, a family member in Israel, whether it's someone studying there or a, a parent who moved back or whatever it, it might be, um, what are the things that uh, they should be looking for that uh, you as a as a parent or if you had a, a loved one there um, would say, oh, time for them to go. Let me uh, let me uh, kick off this uh, e plan, this evacuation plan. Uh, what are some of those key indicators? Uh, is it when uh, when Israel goes into Gaza? Is it when rockets start coming in in greater numbers from Hezbollah? Is when something in the West Bank kicks off? Is it when suicide bombers start going off in on buses and in cafes in Tel Aviv? What were, what would be some of those things that that you would be concerned about if you had a loved one in Israel, um, if and when that time comes. Yeah. Uh, um, do you want to go, Alana? You're a mother. Uh, I mean, yeah. As a, if my kid was was there on vacation or studying or anything right now, I right now I'd probably be telling them to to come home. Um, the reason behind that isn't because I would say that there's you know it isn't right this second, but if it happens, it happens fast. We've seen it plenty of times. It happens fast, and it's then at that stage that the panic and everything is happening. So. If there is like an, I'm not sure. I don't want to break their, you know, their gap year or whatever it is they're doing. Then you know you can do that again. Just, just, just go home at this point. If you're living there and you don't want to leave, um, I think for for me it, it would be when the the ground assault starts. That's that's the point that it would be go. Um, but again, we we give them all the information that we we can possibly give them. The one thing I would say is a lot of the people that we've we've spoke to don't have any way to try like. I don't know what it's like with your kids, but my kids have got their location services with on, on with me. I know where they are and um, that might be worth getting on there. I do know that um, it's not much information, but one of the hostages does have did have their location services on at one point, which which could have been useful. Um, so th those types of things are, are really good. As Dean says, make sure you've got the grab bag ready, the, the passport copied, all these kind of things is just ready to, to pick up. So if they're not willing to leave and they don't want to come home straight away, just tell them I have that little plan ready so the bag is packed and ready to go and you're not spending hours searching around for anything. We've got a few um, expired passports out there as well. So just double check that, make sure your passport's in date. The embassy are rushing through passports right now. So go, go and double check that all those things are good for you they're doing emergency passports at the airport as well at terminal three um so if you did have a passport they can give you a, a new one and get you on a flight and you have up to a year to get one so there is there is options for that but one alana touched on as well is that i think if you're unsure it's easier to get them out now and then always fly them back in when it de-escalates rather than trying to get them out and not get them out and that would be probably my one i think you know normally we have we have trigger points um prior to this in, in some of the other countries, and it's the traffic light system, it's the green, yellow, amber, and red. And we normally say, right, when we're at yellow and amber, we now need to start looking at getting out. We don't want to go to red when the, uh, the airspace is shut. And so, but we don't really have that in, in place here. So for me, my sort of, if they go to ground forces in Gaza, I still think it'll be all right to fly. Um, I think if it then kicks off in Hezbollah, then you've got limited airspace. That would be when I would probably look at getting people out. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe as Alana says in Gaza, let's not wait for the Hezbollah one. Um, yeah, maybe look once they go into Gaza, yeah, look at trying to get them out then. And then how about regionally for someone, uh, a parent that has a student studying in Morocco or that has a, a family member living there, uh, dual citizen, whatever it is, um, what do you think about the surrounding general region? There were some uh, protests in Morocco. I think I saw that today. Um, they didn't look they didn't look as 
as violent as some of the ones that I saw in in uh, other places uh, yeah. around the world over the last week. But let's just say if you have a parent or a child or you yourself are in, uh, let's say, Morocco or, or the, in the region anywhere, um, would you what would you do? Would you take extra precautions or would you come home and take a look from the outside and then go go back when you see how this plays out over the next few weeks? I think, mate, uh, you know what I mean? I, I never like to scaremonger. I just say probably be a bit more vigilant. I know there was an incident today in American and Brit was killed in Uganda by Islamists. And so, you know, it's, it's even uh, now happening in Africa. So it's not even in, even just in this region here. It's it's, it's far down as well as, as there. But um, for me, I would just say be a little bit more vigilant, you know. Um, I think we got a lot of calls last week with the with the Day of Rage thing that, that, that was being discussed. And a lot of people, even locally, were saying, should I cancel my plan? Should I do that? And I think, like, we always teach awareness. That's what we're talking about, is just being aware. And I think these types of things make people more aware that maybe weren't used to being aware and it gets scary for them. So I would say that, you know, use this as a reason to heighten your awareness. Be aware of your surroundings, your people. Don't, don't you know, be in stupid places at stupid times. You know, if you're in a, a dangerous country, you don't want to be going out partying at midnight in, in random streets. Like, Having you know the bag ready, having your your full awareness on. Don't walk down the street with headphones on. All those basics, self awareness and personal space awareness. I wouldn't say that I would be telling people to come home from where wherever they are because I think part of what's happened is to cause mass fear. And this whole idea of the day of rage was to really put fear amongst people and stop them living their lives. And that's the one thing that we never want to allow these terrorists to to make us do because that's their ultimate goal is to disrupt life as much as possible so um use this as a reason to increase your own personal safety and awareness as you know even our kids have got um that kind of awareness about them you know dean, dean was telling you about the hotel room well when we go away on holiday it's our kids that do all that they do the doorstop under the door they do all the locks they do the checks and it's fun for them so i think it's a good a good time to maybe address your own personal awareness and, and increase it if it's not up to par yeah no that's great advice take a take a breath and look at your personal habits and preparation and apply a little common sense uh i think is a good thing to to evaluate <laughs> yeah yes and uh i know you guys got to i I've taken up a lot of your time and i sincerely appreciate you taking this time with me today i think people are going to be uh so, so much useful information here i sincerely appreciate you sharing it but uh before we go uh what do you want to leave people with either as it pertains to to israel or uh self protection in general um what do you want to leave people with Alana, she's good at this <laughs> I think just going back to the question that I got about who it was that that we help and we're never not going to help people. We're never not going to see killing innocent people as a bad thing. And I think that if you can stop asking that question about faith and belief and everything else and just help fellow humans, I think it's going to transcend. And I think that's the only way that we're going to stop this. We've seen thousands of years of war eye for an eye type war like I'm better than you you're better. and it doesn't work it's not working um the only way that we can stop this pain is to just treat each other better yeah wise words for for anyone and uh I can't, I can't be that that's why I left it with Alana she's a, she's a bit more wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
evacuationsupport.org. People can check that out, obviously, following you on their social channels and your books to get a better idea of who you guys are. And um, you're both amazing people. And I sincerely appreciate your friendship. And uh, thank you for uh, both of you for, for doing what you do. Thank you, well, thank Jeff. You for having us. Appreciate it. You guys take care. Bye. Nice. We did it. Alana, do you want me to take the um, part out about uh, when uh, Little One ran in? No, oh, nice. I didn't see him, did you? It's up to you. Totally up to you. He needed his socks on. Okay, I, I, forgot, I forgot if you guys put the socks on or not. I could have felt Yeah, I don't, could you see him? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is right. okay. Yeah, he's, he's on. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe you cut, cut out his little face, yeah. Okay, okay. cool, easy. Oh, do you want to keep him in, Dean? Know, he blessed the world with his, uh, his cute little head. His cute little head. Oh, he's a cutie. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys no, tell I, me. I, I guess, I, yeah, no, actually, yeah, keep him in. So I think that is something that um is worth it's worth it because I do think a lot of people have just been like you and I think it has been even said to Dean today like I would never put that out there but I am full-on exhausted you know like I think it's good to see that we've got a family as well and that they they are a part of this but yeah I could have done without them being sick that wasn't an appropriate time to start being sick always the way you know <laughs> always the way yeah, yeah. But, uh, that's just how life works sometimes I think my, do my daughter's literally called three times while we've been on this and she's above oh. me and she wants water <laughs> Our kids do that too. No matter how much we tell them, like run upstairs, like you know, or call us upstairs, like this, not with your phone. <laughs> uh, and and what's, I love to, what's your what's your um? How do you think this will pan out, Jack? What's your what's your uh, thoughts? Well, I think the paradigm's definitely changed, um, and it's it's a horrible word to use, but um, you touched on it before—an opportunity uh, to to root out the the worst elements of Hamas, possibly Hezbollah, and put them back by probably a decade. Uh, I don't think you can put, go as far as destroying, but you can certainly degrade and diminish uh, to an extent that uh, you haven't before. So, uh, uh, absent some sort of actual solution. To, to these issues that have obviously been going on for a long time. Um, it's an opportunity to root out those that uh, did what they did on last Saturday. So um, I think it's uh, that at the very least, Hamas, and then uh, for the for Hezbollah and Iran, uh, it's uh, the ball is essentially in their court on that side of the house. But I can see it devolving into a three-front war, uh, and I can see it being limited to, uh, to Gaza uh, as well. So... I just don't know, but but the fact remains that Israelis don't have a place to go, like the uh, uh, like the French uh, in Algeria. They could go back to France and uh, or British in Kenya. Go back to yeah. the, to Great Britain, uh, Israel. There's really not a place for them to go, so they have no option but to fight to the last person. So that's you also the, have the West Bank the as well, and I think the people are a little bit worried here that you know it's starting to heat up there. You know, luckily nothing nothing is yet, but. With what we've seen on news in the last twenty four hours, you know that was a potential spark point. But thankfully, no, it, it never, it never happened. I think everyone, everyone sort of said after Joe Biden leaves, that's when things start moving quick. I was like, okay, um, so you know, I think the gate will still get open in Egypt, um, and also as well is 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 the fact that I think uh, Blinken was with the Egyptians, and again, it's all about money. Like, well, if you're gonna Bring a million across. Who who's going to feed them? Who's going to clothe them? And, and everything else. So the Egyptian military today have moved closer to the border, I think, to secure it because Hamas have also been targeting people trying to leave. And again, that's not probably being covered as well. So that need area needs secure to then set up the infrastructure for them 
to open the gates. So I think, you know, Israel, because the world are watching, they need to show that little bit of empathy to let 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 these people um, get out as well. But then, as you know, with when you have US and UK hostages, it's not just the IDF or Mossad that get involved. <laughs> it's it's our own, yeah. our own special Boys are close. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so there's so many, so many facets. Um, it's um, it's unique, very unique. I don't think we'll see this again during our lifetime. Hopefully not, anyway. Yeah, ah, it's so sad. But uh, yeah, you guys are doing, you guys are doing more than more than most. Rather than just talking about it, you're doing something about yeah. it. So that's a uh, that's a lot about you guys. Yeah, no, and I'm also conscious to get back as well because there are other groups now finally arriving. Literally today, I think some of them have all come in, but and. Like we're humanitarian and we we openly say that we're there to help people. Whereas I see some of these groups and they're they're wearing night vision goggles and plate carriers with no weapons. I'm like, what is it you're doing? <laughs> so we also uh, that's as well. Like I need to think about as well aesthetically is that when do we do we leave and not then sort of get sort of get tarnished with with, with that. So uh, so that's that's one thing I'm mindful of as well. So really sort of distancing my my myself from that. So right. Yeah, a lot of guys have reached out asking if I know how, uh, like, kind of, they want to just get in the fight, you know, you know, yeah. they want to get in the fight. Uh, it's understandable. Army across there, the amount of messages that I'm getting, I'm like, he's he's there actually to help. Yeah. It's not about about fighting. But I must admit that the, the what I started writing after I left you last time, this is this is kind of useful. The information I'm learning from from it. So <laughs> negative, okay. yeah. positive, negative, yeah. A good friend of ours, Cohen. Yeah, she's well. A good friend of ours, Jen Cohen. She put a post out, you know, promoting us being here. I mean, she said, "Dean, uh, MI6." I was like, "Where did she get that from?" And that was that. So that's always, of course, confusing. Oh, what are you doing? I was like, "I'm literally, generally, as the as it says on the tin, I'm helping people get out. I'm not here as a." Uh, and and the gentleman at the airport actually said to me, he "Said you, uh, you MI6?" I said, "Look at me." I said, "Bald head tattoos." I'd be the worst spy in the world. And he sort of laughed. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm conscious of what is that I sort of get out because, you know, because if we will be doing this again, no doubt in other countries. And so you need to sort of be, you know, distance yourself from, from, from that, those sort of groups as well. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, we'll see how, how it plays out essentially in, in real time. So uh, yeah, it's just heartbreaking all around, but this is where we find ourselves. I no, no. can't believe it's two weeks ago we're in Park City. Now look at I know it. you're right here in this very room, right here. <laughs> crazy. So crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, hopefully we'll get you back here soon or I'll see you in uh in California uh yes. one of these days. Well, wow, that would be fantastic. Okay. Cheers, buddy. I appreciate having us on. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You guys take care. Thanks for everything. Reach out if you need anything. Cheers, yeah. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close Podcast. An Ironcloud original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about Dean and Alana Stott, visit their websites, deanstott.com, that is D-E-A-N-S-T-O-T-T.com, and alanastott.com, A-L-A-N-A-S-T-O-T-T.com. Be sure and follow them on the social channels as well, and from their Instagram, you can go to the link in bio and help them out on their spot fund with evacuation efforts in Israel. Be sure and also pick up their books. Dean's book is called Relentless and Alana's is called She Who Dares. You can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA. Officialjackcar.com is the website. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner for the merch. 
And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay safe. Be strong. Keep fighting.